Hi, my name is Jason Adriani, and welcome to the Blade in Chats, your skating chat based. In this podcast, we are talking with bladers and bladies from all over the world, united by a single passion, blading. Episode 61, Jan Welch. Hello? Yeah. Can you hear yeah, me now? Right now? Yeah, clearly. The headphones weren't working. What's up, man? Not much. How are you? I mean, I just went out skating, luckily here, like, and slowly here, things are getting better, so can't complain. Awesome. Man, thank you so much for being here. It really means a lot. Uh, huge no, you're fan. Welcome. I mean, you, you already know uh, within all the videos that you've done. It's amazing, man. Cool. So how, how's, life, how's life in general? Life in general is good. It's, uh, I live in Vermont in the United States, which is as far north as you can get. Um, and with the whole COVID thing i haven't really been working for the past couple months so i've been helping my parents out on their property uh just working in the woods cutting trees making trails um skating a little bit but right now it's really hot uh almost too hot to skate we had snow two weeks ago and now it's close to 90 degrees what really man that's crazy uh, there's a shout out from you from dave Payne. he says hi Jan. hope you're well oh, hello, brother and the maple syrup flows like wine. That is correct. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, Vermont, is, pre- is it pretty close to, to, Min- uh, to Minnesota? No. No, no, it's not close to Minnesota at all. Vermont is, uh, well, I'm 40 minutes from Quebec. Okay. And then it's surrounded by Maine on one side. New, uh, sorry, not Maine. It's surrounded by New Hampshire, Massachusetts, okay. and New York. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm watching right now at the map. So, yeah, you're pretty close to Montreal, like, to, to, to Canada, basically, right? Yeah, Montreal is the closest city to my house. It's uh, about two and a half hours. Damn, so you're really up north. Yeah, so I'm three hours from Boston, five hours from New York City. Um, an hour and 45 minutes from, from uh, Burlington, Vermont, which is the biggest city in Vermont. But the population is only about 100,000 people. The whole state only has 700,000 people, so it's very small. Wow. So, and it's surprising. It's, uh, they probably have, you know, 40 skate parks here and a handful of inline skaters, which is impressive for such a small state. <laughs> pretty cool. But like, so it looks like the pretty, like one of the uh, safest place to be during this quarantine, right? Were you guys able to go outside to have like a little walk into the hoods or whatever? Well, the, yeah, the, the, the uh, here it's, we're very remote, you know, the town here is only 6,000 people and I live outside of town. And during the height of the quarantine, um, you were supposed to leave more than 10 miles from your home. Oh, okay. So you could go, you could go, you know, shop. I mean, everything was, clo- was closed except the grocery stores, gas stations. Um, but you could go hiking, walking, um, as long as you social distance, which is really easy here. The main thing where I live, there's a, it's a lot of it's a ski area. There's lots of ski mountains, and mountain biking is very big here. And so you have a lot of tourists come from Quebec and Massachusetts, New York. Um, a lot of them have second homes here. So the problems, the fear people had here was all those people coming here, you know, to escape 
New York and all that stuff. So even now, if you're from a different state, you have to quarantine for two weeks if you come into Vermont. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, as far as, you know, most businesses here are open now. Um, restaurants, you have to be 10 feet apart and only okay. outside only outside seating um and the only thing that hasn't opened yet is hair salons and movie theaters but they're supposed to reopen soon state parks open next weekend okay so, um for the most part some some stores you know they require masks so everyone has them otherwise pretty much nobody wears them so um it really depends on the people you know a lot of people don't take it serious here especially here in vermont being kind of rural a lot of rednecks <laughs> <laughs> so like sorry for like mean being dumb but like uh, rednecks aren't from the south like they're everywhere rednecks you have them in italy too they're just like country you know country people um you know <laughs> i don't know i mean it's kind of a broad term right but for me a redneck is kind of you know like a, a hillbilly uh a little bit more you know, racist or whatever, you know, kind of more rural person. Yeah, Not all we, of course, but. <laughs> yeah, but like, we do have them for sure. <laughs> the the yeah. country is full of, the, of those like uh, uh, idiots. And like, there was this show, like, uh, I, I don't know the name in English, but we used to call it Bowen Luke. And there was like the, this TV show, I don't know why, but in Italy, when I was a kid, it was super big about these two rednecks because they were driving the generally the car the, the, the right. orange car uh -huh. within the the, the the confederation flag on their on their rooftop and like when i was a kid it was the shit i mean like we were like oh man did you see those guys jumping with their cars and everything yeah, the but hazard exactly exactly yeah. and then like and growing rednecks, up... yeah um <laughs> you, know, you know here it's like a rednecks drive you know pickup trucks and in germany you know where my family lives they have rednecks too but they drove like drive like volkswagen golfs so it's a little bit different you know <laughs> <laughs> true but like you were born in germany or you were born in the united no, states no i was born i was born in austin texas okay and when i was six months old my parents moved to germany my mom's from germany my okay. dad my dad was in the military I met my mom in germany and uh my dad they moved back to germany because my dad was going to university in freiburg um germany and uh lived there for until i was about seven so oh. german's my first language and i had dual u.s and german citizenship which you know with the eu now basically EU citizenship so you know if things go to hell here i can just piss off to europe <laughs> you can come here <laughs> and like did you like do you speak right now german or like do you remember how like any, any words in german yeah i can when i go to germany i um I could pick it up fairly fast. My grammar is not perfect, you know, but I understand it all. And I could communicate fine. Um, when I was young, I used to have a really strong German accent. So I was kind of embarrassed at school. So I stopped speaking German with my mom. So it's not perfect by any means, but it's good enough to get by. And it definitely, when I lived in San Diego, um, you know, John Elliott, he grew up in Austria. Um, you know, American. Oh, really? Yeah, his parents were missionaries. Um, living outside of Vienna, and all the kids were raised there, so they went to international school. But they, you know, grew up speaking German um, and they knew English. So when in San Diego, I spoke a lot of German with John um, because when yeah. we got bars and stuff, whatever, we didn't want, we wouldn't have conversations where nobody understood us, so we would speak, <laughs> which was always good. 
uh, practice for me, you know. Um, but I speak a little bit now with my mom, and I've been starting to relearn it more. Um, okay. Now that I'm so close to Quebec, I want to learn learn French. Because up north, like on that side, because I went to, to, to Canada on, on my honeymoon and we went on the other side, uh, Vancouver and all that. And they right. speak like only English. But like in Montreal, in Quebec, they are speaking like English and French, right? In Montreal, is more an international city. So you have a lot more people that speak English. When you go to the eastern townships of Quebec or to Quebec City, um, most people don't speak English. You know, in Quebec City, in the old in the old city, they do because of tourists. But you have a lot more people, you know, from the rest of Canada will live in Montreal because you can get by speaking only English there. But you can't just get by speaking only English if you live in Quebec City. Um, so I'd like to learn, you know. And then you have also New Brunswick, which I went to recently in Nova Scotia, and they have Acadian, which is a different types of type of French colony. Those okay. Are, different type of French. It's like a, it's like more old French mixed with English and like native language. It's interesting. I didn't even know about the history until I was there. But um, so yeah, anyway, I spoke a little French growing up because my, my dad's mom's from France. So I have family in France. Damn. Um, in, in Lyon and Paris and uh, Saint-Maxime. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like down south on the Côte uh, uh, Yeah. Right by Saint-Tropez. Exactly. Pretty close to Italy, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I went to, uh, last time I was there visiting my dad's uncle, I went to, uh, took the bus to Monaco. And that was cool. And, and you know that, like, um, there's this video that you've done, call it Last Call, and there are, like, a bunch of tricks in Gen filmed in Genova, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Damn, how did you get in Genova? So random? Well, that video, it was when I was doing Scum Magazine back in the 90s. Mm -hmm which was, you know, if people don't know, it was an online uh, web magazine that lasted from 95 until 1999, um, mm. which I stopped doing when I moved to San Diego to start working at Daily Bread. But I made several videos throughout the years for the, the magazine as well. And it, it was a, like a more of a print scene, you know, it was online and a print scene. So, so there was like 20 something issues. And Last Call was a video well, I made, was making a trip to Europe. I decided to go to Europe for seven months and to film this video. There's going to be an all-European video, uh, all European skaters. And I traveled to all the amateur ASA events that were happening throughout Europe. One of them was in Italy and Rimini. Okay. Um, and so I was going to all those events, which was kind of loosely the route I was going to travel. Um, and then I got on like, the Scum Magazine had a message board and BMAG had a message board and met people, you know, through there to connect with. And I forgot the guy I met with in Italy, but he took me around um, all over the place. Uh, so that's the spots you would have seen in that True. video. But is, it, know, is, uh, is it Simone? Simone Magurno? No, it wasn't. wasn't what was it? Simone Magurno. Mm. No, right? I don't remember. It was, it was like 22 yeah. years ago. <laughs> so long. So long. Um, True. But yeah, that's where, you know, that's the year I went to, the first year I went to Lausanne, the Lausanne contest. And I met, uh, you know, Albert Huey and Barno and, 
and you know all the guys from puberty in england and and uh and that's we started filming that our Huey section that's in that video yeah it was on we filmed about half of it and then later in my trip i went to dublin to finish filming the second half and you know albert was like 15 in that video and it was Damn. his first section you know um and it was also you know when i was in england leon humphreys filming with him that was his first clip in a video i believe was that last call clip um, cool, man. so yeah it was i definitely met a lot of skaters it's funny because every time i go to winter clash now which is not too often but you know every couple of years uh someone comes up to me that i met on that trip you know 22 yeah. that's still skating which is pretty, pretty rad pretty um, exactly it's pretty cool man and like how did you start filming like uh, no going back like when did you started skating and where did you start skating i started skating in uh well in the late 80s when inline skates were you know first getting popular i really wanted a pair but my parents didn't really have money to buy them so my friend across the street he got a pair christmas of 88 and he didn't like them so like halfway through 89 i basically just kind of took them from him <laughs> and, uh, they were some rollerblades zetra blades and i skated them around the neighborhood on really harsh asphalt until there was you know it was just at the core of the wheels and my parents bought me some bauer hockey skates um like roller hockey skates and i started just cruising around the, t the city um around because i went to high school in downtown austin so after school i would skate around the city and around the university of texas um just bombing stairs bombing hills meeting and then once i got out of high school um i had lightning it was like lightning trs's i got them and started meeting a crew of people at the university and we started doing night skating um and just you know basically a lot of stair bombing and, and gaps and stuff like that and we started playing roller hockey so one day we're playing roller hockey at austin high school and uh this carload of guys pulled up asked, asked if they could play with us and uh it's like four guys from houston and it was one of them was b love harden and uh and this was would have been around 1994 90, 90 probably 94 and um there's some bike racks there and him and this guy taz start doing like soul stalls on this bike rack and i'm like wow what are these guys doing like that looks really cool, you know? There's just like soul song, like the little bottom, like, you know, two inches off the ground. And uh, it was really rad. And this guy Taz, like, it's called a soul grind. And it just blew my mind, you know? And um, and then B-Love did it like down in like a three-star rail. It was like his first soul or something like back then. And and uh, anyway, it blew my mind. And we had this pretty big group of people we skated with that did roller hockey and, and everything. And I like, try to get them to all start grinding, you know, cause like that was the day that like changed it for me, you know, and every single one of them quit skating cause they didn't, like couldn't adapt to like the type of skate we were doing to grinding. So like all of a sudden there was no skaters left. From the skateboard. And, um, so I skated about, I say like six months by myself. Anytime I saw somebody ro rolling around, I would try to catch up to them and like get them to skate, whatever didn't work. So I, there was a skate shop there called Armadillo Sports. And I made a flyer with my phone number. We could pull them off 
to see if anybody want to skate, meet up to skate. And uh, really? a phone call went from one day from these guys. And we met up at a rail. It was Lonnie Gallegos and Jason Howard. And that's how I met those guys from a little flyer at the skate shop. And, uh, and we skated at the heroin rail, which was, but downtown Austin back then was really, really run down. You know, it was like recession and there's like a, this rail heroin rail. It's basically, there was needles everywhere. Cause you know, like people shooting up and stuff, but it's like a really cool, handy like super easy. So we, we did that. I started skating with those guys and there was another event, like a few months later, we met Frank Stoner and like a bunch of other guys, you know, and we got this whole scene together. So I started filming all these guys and that's really how I started filming. You know, I was filming a VHSC camera, um, editing VCR to VCR, Damn. making all these Texas, you know, Texas videos, starting to meet up with the, the Dallas guys and the Corpus Christi guys, San Antonio guys, Houston, and just, you know, traveling back and forth filming with them in Dallas at that point, you know, the scene was huge with, you know, you had Eisenberg's and you had freestyle and you had, um, and rap, uh, rapid revolutions. It's like three big indoor skate parks, um, each with a huge scene. So anyway, you know, going around started. So I go from filming the Austin guys, from the Texas guys and making Texas videos. And then I was started at scum magazine in uh, December of 94. So that was, at first, just covering everybody in Texas as well, and then it expanded. Um, it's funny because, you know, uh, um, Dave Payne is on here right now, and he communicated. I found some communication with him from back in the day. You know, we would write letters back and forth before email. Damn. Um, you know, I sent him the magazine, and he sent the videos, and it was kind of funny um, reading those recently. Um, but yeah, so that's basically how it started for me. Um, and then, you know, over time, start meeting more people, traveling more, adding more international skaters to, you know, my videos. And, you know, the, the, there was so many laters back then that Scum Magazine was a very popular website. Um, so it was easy to get content for the videos, the early videos I did, um, out in Texas. And then in 1999, there's a big, very big music festival in Austin. It's called South by Southwest. Um, it's like a probably biggest music festival in the U.S. You know, it's like a ten days of music, and and back then it was still early on in the festival. And it was the first year that they added interactive uh, festival, which was uh, interactive media festival that year. And I entered the website Scum Magazine um, in the festival. Uh, in the sports categories from sports websites. So that was up against like Dallas Stars hockey and, you know, like <laughs> Astros and, you know, all sorts of like professional sports teams. And, and, uh, and so anyway, I, I go to this thing and it made it to, it, it made it to, uh, you know, one of the finalists for South by Southwest Interactive Media Festival. So um, I ended up getting four badges to the, all you know, access badges for the whole event. So I took my dad and two friends, and we went, and it ended up winning best sports website. No year. way. <laughs> so I have, well, in my other room, I had the plaque, you know, for South by Southwest best website of 1999 was Scum Magazine. Um, and, you know, at that point, it started getting the tension of, of, uh, 
different media. Like I was contributing for Inline Magazine in Germany. I was writing for them quite a bit. Um, and Daily Bread was contributing and Angie Walton wanted me to come work out there to do web stuff. Um, so, you know, I ended up moving out there uh, in December of 1999 to work for Daily Bread. And it was kind of a misunderstanding with, I had kind of planned on continuing Scum Magazine while I was out there. But once I moved there, Angie um, didn't really want me to do Scum Magazine because it was a conflict of interest. So I stopped doing it. In hindsight, I should have probably kept doing Scum Magazine and not moved out to San Diego to work at Daily Bread because Scum Magazine might have turned into, you know, like BMAG. Because it was on par with, you know, BMAG, basically. It was like the kind of the rival, even though it was really rival because me and Michael were good friends. But I could have probably done my own project, you know, then. But, sure. but I went to Daily Bread. It was a dream to go to California and um, ended up flying out there. Uh, getting picked up at the airport by this guy, Zeb, who worked there and he needed a roommate. So he lived pretty far outside of town and it was only accessible. I didn't have a car, so you had to take a bus to a train and then the train is downtown and then walk to Daily Bread. But the bus stopped running at like five. So every night you had to like skate home, like up a mountain. Yeah. Uh, which sucked. And, my stuff and but then there was like no big wheels, no nothing. Just no, like no big wheels. Like any rocker. Like, oh my goodness! You know. Um, so, so yeah, it was, and it was, you know. So that was like my first six months, and I'm like, you know, working at Daily Bread, don't know anybody in San Diego. I remember like Corey Casey would come in with you know Esco guys, and they all thought I was a dork, so none of them were really nice to me, and. You know, no. and uh and so me and zeb we had met john elliott came into daily bread one day and uh and um john came into daily bread one day and we had arranged i got his number because i was like me and zeb wanted to go up to esco park to skate so we took the bus to escondido to meet up with don and it was like a three hour bus ride, like zigzags, like just along the interstate. And uh, and we get up there, we end up meeting Troy White on the bus randomly. It was the first time I ever met him. He had his skates with him. I don't know if you remember Troy White from like, yeah, Esco yeah, of course. Guys, you know, early Esco guys. Anyway, we get to the park and John Elliott doesn't show up, doesn't answer his phone, you know. <laughs> so it's just like me and Zeb. And then we take the bus back home. And then a few months later, later I finally became, you know, started becoming friends with John and Corey and they used to come out to that apartment. I shared with Zeb out there in La Mesa area. Um, so you start hanging out with those guys quite a bit, you know, and forming a little, you know, crew. Um, then I moved into a apartment one block from Daily Bread. It was a very small uh, studio and I would have skaters stay there you know, like 10, 11 skaters stay in like a 10 foot by 10 foot room all the time, <laughs> you know, like they're sleeping underneath the bed in the bathtub, oh my. Um, you know, Justin Buchanan and Ian Brown from Australia would come down and like, you know, Pat Lennon would come down from SF and, and my friend Chris Peel was living with me. He also worked at Daily Bread at, at, at the time. Um, 
but yeah, so that's how I ended up in San Diego working at Daily Bread. Um, and then I went to, you know, literally I was supposed to do the website. Well, my, my concept was I was going to be doing content, creating content for like the magazine and the website. Mm -hmm. There's more like they wanted like a webmaster and that's not exactly what I was wanting to do. So I started going, started writing some articles and doing some magazine layout and, but more transitioning to doing the videos. Um, so at the same time I moved to San Diego, I, I had just done United Front One when I was living in San Diego. Um, and then I did the Daily Bread 4 Quattro around the same yeah. time. Um, I only ended up work, I only worked at Daily Bread for about two years because it just wasn't exactly what I hadn't envisioned, you know, as far as a work scenario and, and, uh, it just didn't agree with me. So I left, but I, uh, at the ASR trade show in 2001, which ASR was like the big trade show in, in San Diego back in those days. And every road later from around the world would go to San Diego for that event. Oh, really? Um, it was like an ESPO, like a, like a blading ESPO? It, it was like ESPO. Like it was like, it's like basically ESPO, but like a U.S. version called Action okay. Switch Retail. And okay. they had it in San Diego and they had it in Long Beach. But San Diego was the one all the rollerblade roll companies went to and all the skaters. And and that year I had a premiere. Well, I had two premieres. For one for was Razor Still This Video, premiered at the Hyatt Hotel in their ballroom on a Friday night. And then the next night was, was uh, No One's Children, Daily Red 5 premiered at the Spreckles Theater in downtown San Diego, which is a really cool theater, like an old, which is an old school theater where Daily Bread 4 had premiered the previous year at ASR at that same theater. Um, so that that was really a highlight, having a premiere in a theater like that, because it was during ASR, so it was completely full of people, because there's tons Damn. of things. Um, and it was just, you know, acoustics and everything. It's like my parents flew out for the first one. Um, it was a really fun time. And the thing about San Diego at that point was because Daily Bread was there and, you know, Box was still on the outs, but it was in that region to um, all the, everybody dreamed of going to San Diego because all the photos were from San Diego in the magazine pretty much, you know, it was a skate Mecca. That, that's and, me still to this yeah, day. <laughs> so, yeah. And so there was always people in San Diego, like all the best skaters went there because they knew they could get shot in Daily Bread or get filmed by me, you know, or by one of the previous guys like Drew or Bo, you know, like you just, so you go out, skater would show up to Daily Bread, me and, you know, Ryan Shooty or Dan Busta or, or Keith Wilson, we would leave and, you know, spend the whole day shooting photos and filming. And that was pretty much, you know, it was like that pretty much every day for, well, years, but for Daily Bread, you know, two years and, um, finding spots like you know i found i'd say most of the spots you know i filmed were spots i, I drove around and found i Damn. drove every single road in like san diego county looking for streets for spots and there's still spots i've never seen in other videos and there's spots that i i still know how to get to last time i went to san diego it was uh about six years ago for blading cup with the san diego first and I met up with some guys there who'd been living in San Diego for a while, and they didn't even know how to get to 
several spots I had to take them to. <laughs> I been years, but I still remember how to get there. Damn. So funny. And it should be like a mission because like right now it's easy for us, like you Google map it or there's also like, uh, I don't know, blogs within like the pin of the spots around the city all over the world. But back then I bet it could have been like a proper mission, was it right? Like driving around, like uh, getting lost into the city for looking for spots. Yeah, I mean, that's I spent out, you know, a lot of gas, a lot of hours driving around. I actually found a lot of spots. Um, I found a lot of spots because I flew a lot back then, you know, to events and or to visit my family. And the airport in San Diego is downtown, pretty much. Like you fly past the skyscrapers, so the plane flies in low, fairly low from different directions. So I would always look out the window to see if I saw anything cool from the sky. <laughs> but I would see really big, like ditches or a lot of ditches stuff like that i would like look for familiar roads and then get on my computer and get on like map quest because they didn't have like google maps yet or something and look for uh you know if i could find the spots on the computer to go back to look for them um which is pretty cool uh uh, one big problem though as far as spots go with daily bread initially daily bread when they took a photo of a spot they would say what the school was or what the name of the spot was in the actual photo. Since then, and a lot of those spots, you know, you could only skate on a weekend or at night, certain times, but you had so much skate tourism in San Diego at that time that no one, if you weren't from there, you really didn't give, you know, they really didn't care like when you're going to go there because you're not going to go back. Right. So yeah, true. Most of the spots that were in daily bread ended up getting capped because they told you exactly where they were. So everybody went there. Right. So like, you know, Although there are still a ton of spots there, most most of the really famous spots from the magazine have been capped, you know, or were capped a long time ago already. Um, and I think that was kind of a, a a big mistake Daily Bread made was putting the the trick, the actual spot, you know, names, the actual the, photos. <laughs> the pin, the right pin of of the right. spot. So man. You, you see those spot sites, you know, people have these websites for spots, you know, skateboard spots, whatever. I mean, for me, those, you know. The wrong person finds that website, then all your spots are busted. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. And like about like your, your your filming career, like how many videos have you done? Like twelve? Thirteen? Oh, you know, that's a good question. It's gonna be um around that. I did a bunch of like some of the early ones were like no budget lo fi was one, scratched. Um America's Army. There was Last Call. Uh, there was another one that came out before Last Call that was. Oh, Urban Decay. Did you ever see that? No, like, I haven't. Like, it was a California trip. I went to California in 1997 with Lonnie Gallegos. Damn. Uh, we went, it was a Christmas trip. And. We filmed the whole coast of California, and that's the first time I really met all the California guys. Um, that's when I met, you know, Robert, Robert Guerrero. And actually, I take it back. Robert Guerrero and Jason Howard grew up together. Jason Howard used to live in Bay Area. So in the early days, every summer, Robert Guerrero used to come to Austin every summer. So we knew Robert. Oh, really? So he spent every summer with Jason Howard in Austin. 
And then him and that's how him and Lonnie became such good friends. And, you know, he started doing all those feet. It's because they, they all grew up together, you know, from, you know, 13 years on. Um, but so we're out, out there in, in uh, Northern California and I filmed like Eric Garcia section for that video, Robert Guerrero section. Um, who else had sections? Jared Majors. Uh, then there was like a lot of Ernie Ramos and Hong Thong footage. Um, Man, LA, Kinley, like, a lot of it was a lot of really like that early, you know, California scene of the you know the original shredders that actually were from California, you know, because when I've lived in San Diego, it started getting a lot of transplants, you know, that moved there to skate, but yeah, yeah. all the original California skaters, you know, still. So, and we spent a lot of time in the Bay, and you know, it was pretty. It was a lot of fun. Um, that trip was a lot of fun, but yeah, that was Urban Decay was the video that came from that. So it's, I believe it's on my YouTube or Vimeo, maybe, maybe not. It's not a, a damn. I should, I should have to 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 look at for that. I'm like looking forward to, to see that because it looks pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I it's a like fun a... one. But yeah, so that and then you know there was United Front, United Front Two, Trash, the two Daily Bread videos, um, then. Razor Stills video, and then Vicious Sleeves video, and then the Nim team video. I ended up filming about half of it and editing about half of it. Um, and then also then, you know, Leading the Blind that I did with Pat. And then, uh, and Drip Drop was mainly Pat, but I helped him edit towards the end because we're coming on as you know the the timeline was getting kind of coming up so um i helped him finish it up um so yeah that's pretty much most of the videos man what a career man it's amazing i actually have a video i've started on about six years ago and i was planning on finishing it sometime soon but i've been so busy here at the house right now and Time just seems to get away from me, even though I have so much time right now with COVID. <laughs> but also these articles, I've been doing those, you know, these daily articles yeah. in life during COVID-19 for Big World Blading, which has taken a lot of time as well. You know, doing, I'm doing today's, I haven't put up today's yet, but today's the 60th day in a row I've been putting them out. And oh, I'm going to cap it days. I also did the series on essential workers you know, inline skaters are essential workers. So there was eight of those that had five people each one. And the next series I'm starting is, um, the first one's gonna be with Matias from PowerSlide, which is how uh, COVID-19 is affecting the industry. Because, you know, you see, initially my fear was that it could kill blading, you know, um, because people won't have money and different things, you know, and, and you, there's a lot of reports on, you know, sales going up 300%, blah, blah, blah. But, and sure, a lot of people, you can tell from just the, the Facebook groups, like rollerblading, rollerblading, and big rollerblading, um, how many people have gotten back into skating that skated yeah, 20 years yeah. ago, you know? It's, I don't know it's crazy. like a lot of, like, just new people to skating. I feel like almost everybody, they did it when they were a kid, be it rec, be it whatever, aggressive. You know, just looking for something to do, but 
manufacture you know skates are made in asia most stuff's made in asia and they stop manufacturing there you know it's on pause shipping you can't logistics are a nightmare so they're selling skates but they can't get stops can't get new skates you know because the manufacturers can't ship so it's like kind of a catch way too they're basically selling out what they have but they can't keep keep up with the demand yeah true so so anyway that's what that series will be about discussing you know and then certain areas like the u.s sure they're doing good sales but you know when you have uh places like you know france or spain you know where you're in lockdown and you couldn't leave your house to skate obviously those skate shops aren't doing well you know they're not if you can't skate you can't sell nobody's buying anything so it's definitely a country to country you know type of thing um so that's what that series will explore talking to different shop owners manufacturers and Mm -hmm. and uh and store owners around the world so that's going to be a new series i'm working on you you know know what happened here in italy which is quite strange like the um, the italian version of the wall street journal it's called il sole 24 ore and they've done like a pretty intense article about like uh, to um congratulate in a way to Rollblade company, Technica, uh, about like the sales that they've done through March and April. Even if like everybody were here, just because mm-hmm. people was like, were scared about the fact that like they weren't able to go to the gym and whatever, they started right. buying Rollblades and like uh, Rosie's skates and Rollblade skates. And um, in, like this article was saying that like, uh, uh, compared to the sales of the, the last year, the increasing was like, 210% or something like that, 230%. So it was like pretty, pretty cool. And like, I've done like one of those blading chats with, uh, with Erika Zanetti. We, she mm-hmm. works at the sales and marketing office in Rollbait. And she right. told me the same thing about like how surprised she was within all of those uh, uh, sales. And right now when I went skating, it's the classical skateboard where I've been through. And there's like a lake pretty close to it. And there were like a bunch of families within kids and everything with the rollbait. So it's uh, kind That's of a, kind of a. I have things really like myself because I haven't skated a lot this year. the The problem I have with skating where I live is it's very rural. Vermont doesn't have it's very poor, so there's not many roads that are paved well. There's definitely no like bike paths or anything by me. Okay, um, and. There's a couple skate parks, but they're completely packed with people right now, and they're small. So I don't. I'm not trying to hang out with a bunch of COVID kids, and uh, <laughs> and um, so to to skate, I have to drive like to Montreal or or Burlington, oh, wow. you know. Or if I want to go like skate a trail, um, I gotta drive you know an hour and a half, two hours. I skated last weekend in Middlebury, Vermont, with my friend Josh because he just got some 80 millimeters and he lived close to there. So we skated around the university and checked out all the cool rails and spots. And I was like, I have a list of spots for people to, to skate in Vermont. If anybody wants to come completely on film, Man. <laughs> you know, do a video. Um, but yeah, so I, skated, <laughs> I only skated four times this year. Like I went to Rye Airfield in New Hampshire, skated the Nor'easter contest that they had. Just, I didn't skate a contest, but I skated at the park. And, uh, and then just like trail skated a couple of times. Um, I still, you know, I broke my back exactly a year ago Damn. this week. And so this last skating this weekend, it was, the whole thing on my mind was like, man, I can't fall like on my year anniversary of broken back. Right. So it was like kind of sketchy. So, um, 
so hopefully, you know, when things get back to normal, I can start going to Boston and Montreal again to skate because, you know, I can do that. I'll drive to Boston once a week to skate, you know, three hours there and back. That's fine. I drive so much here anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, so definitely uh, skating here has not been too great for me, which is that's the probably the thing I dislike the least about living in Vermont. When I lived in Austin, I skated almost every day, you know, at least five times a week. Man, I bet. When I moved to Austin, you know, all my friends like Frank Stoner and, and you know, these Austin guys, Austin scene was really big in 2012 when I moved there again and from San Diego. And we would meet up every Monday morning at the skate park for six years, like every Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And fluctuate in the summertime it would be like eight to nine a.m. meet up in the sorry in the wintertime it would be like eight to nine or probably like nine a.m. meet up, and in the summer it'd be like seven a.m. meet up because it's so hot. And then uh, <laughs> we would have like nice sessions, like two or three times a week. And then we did a Friday night skate around the city. We did a twice a month distance skate at this different neighborhood and then i would distance skate like i skated probably close to four thousand miles in 2017 and then last year i skated like 30 miles so yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh i the the upside is i get to ski a lot which i love to me it's like skating down the mountain uh True. safer <laughs> but like go going back like to like this pretty cool video that you have done. Like, I, I know, I'm pretty sure that this one, I'm pretty sure that this one will be like a tricky question. Like within all the people that you have filmed, like in all of those videos, and like, they're all amazing because just like you were saying, you were one of the people who made like San Diego, what is San Diego right now? And like, what is San Diego has been to all of us as Blader? Like, uh, which are like, could you name like the, the I wouldn't say the top three, but like at least three uh, of the, best trick that you ever filmed like if you have any of them well the gnarliest trick i ever filmed was matthew heineman back royale in the drop ledge at the at the at the uh, san diego um uh convention center boss that- like I, i was there i was there, I, in 2018 <laughs> i went with, with francesca Androla, a good friend of mine and we've done like a socal edit which it was like a a a like a, an homage to all of those uh southern california spots and like we walked by that and like hey this spot looks familiar to me but like there was like something has changed on that convention center and then mm-hmm. i like john was like behind us john from and, and i told him hey like why like this spot do, doesn't look like, look familiar to me and he was like i show you why and he showed me the the, the clip of my the, the back background that my yeah. did and it was like impossible i mean like i'll tell you what was crazy about it is the first two times he tried it he would he would go he would start grinding and seagulls would land on the ledge in front of him so he'd have to sit down like on the ledge like because the seagulls would get in the way and third try the seagulls like let him pass but (laughs) it's like i'm like like like, the biggest drop off and there's like seagulls um another gnarly (laughs) trick was When I filmed uh, Ian Brown, like, eat it at the Leap of Faith, mm-hmm. when he hit the bell on his butt and then face planted, uh, that was pretty gnarly. And then um, I'm going to say, like, some of those clips in Leading the Blind, Haffy, where, like, 
there's like that full cap backspan on that disaster ledge on the right. It's like flat. That was pretty gnarly. Um, Ian Brown, I mean, Ian McLeod, when he tried a five or was it 180, 540, 540 off that roof that Dustin Latimer did, where he climbs up the roof. That was pretty gnarly, too. There was, I mean, it's hard to say because, I mean, just a happy section, everything happy section is gnarly, right? Like, (laughs) um, I mean, there's a lot of gnarly tricks. Uh, I remember the thing with like United Front had a lot of happy firsts. His section United Front it had like his first switch soyal, which was like down like a twenty-five stair rail, you know, like his first time <laughs> soyal. Um, so you know stuff like that. Um, and oh, you know another thing, Pianowski, like that whole Pianowski phase when he came and stayed with me, and we filmed that section in Quattro. I mean, all that shit was crazy. <laughs> you Man. know, like the the, the kick rail, all the disasters. Man, it's it's like unbelievable, and like some of those spots, like driving through San Diego when I went, like when I was there with John from, like I've seen some of those spots, and I was like, no, nah, man, it's impossible. Like it couldn't be that one. I mean, I remember this. Um, it was like a deliberate interview where Carlos did disaster front far, like it was like hmm. a sixty minute with Carlos or something like that. Yeah, and I was, uh, at the mall. Yeah, exactly. Did you can yeah. see it from That's the? from the highway and i mean when i saw it it was like man how was he able to do that or like even the 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 trick that you filmed him like the disaster royal i i believe like it's still on that convention center because i recognize those white you mean uh, like over the gap yeah exactly like a background a rail no it was like on on the front side royal on the rough ledge oh yeah yeah yeah. that was the convention center too on the front side that was gnarly too Impossible. Um, I'm gonna grab. I need to grab my phone charger because my phone's getting low. Yeah, no problem, no problem. And um, when you guys were like um, working for leading, leading and blind, like yep. were you guys um, like, what was your like uh, your goal? Like, did, did you guys notice that like you're going to make like uh, one of those video that was going to change everything? Well, we definitely knew we had. Definitely knew we had uh, a Tomach team, you know. Um, let's see if oh, this chargers. Um, hold on one second. Let me find a plug that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no problem. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Just to entertain you guys, Jan did like this this video. Pretty sure you guys have seen it, as well as this one. As well. Is it working? I'm not sure if I can or not. We're either going to get disconnected or we <laughs> will not. Um, so, <laughs> Lena Blind, um, you know, we put the, the team, obviously, 4x4 was just kind of like the dream team at the, at the time, you know. And... Um, we wanted this, the video to be a classic for sure, you know, uh, with that team. And at that period too, you know, we had the, everyone wanted to, you know, we had the, the dream that rolling could still be really big, you know, cause it was kind of at the, four by four started at the, at the kind of when everything was in the decline. And 
know, all these guys are so good and everyone really pushed it because they, everybody thought, you know, you still, something that was still going to happen, you know, with the sport. Right. So we wanted to like, give it like this, uh, like just kick ass, the skating and everything and editing and the, and so everybody, you know, like really like put forth their full effort in putting this video together. Um, and it was, you know, everybody was in their, in their skating prime at that point. And then, you know, we edited it together, me and Pat, um, and it ended up becoming, a, you know, a classic. And it's kind of like when a band releases a, a seat, an album that's really, really good, you know, like, and it's really hard to follow it up. And that's what, you know, with 4x4, like, it's kind of hard to follow that video up. You know, Drip Drop was really good, but Lean the Blind was, it's, you know, to this day, like, when I watch it, still, you know, I think one of the, it's just amazing, skating-wise. Yeah. You yeah, know, like, it's, it's like, it could come out today and still be a sick video. And it will be the video. <laughs> I remember giving that video, like in Austin, there was a, there's a BMX shop called Empire, which was like one of the biggest BMX shops in the country. And I used to BMX a little bit back in Austin too. So I was friends with all them and I gave them a copy of that video when it came out. Um, and so I gave them that video and then the next year I came back to Austin, I'm at the bar and I'm talking to all these pro BMXers and they started talking about that video. And apparently, like every BMX in Austin started watching that video um, at at Empire, so they all knew the video and they all knew the skaters, and mm. they all loved it, which was awesome, you know. Because I feel like how big those guys were going in that video, it's kind of like on the same status of BMXers, you know, going big. And, true, um, true. There's a B, there's a BMX guy in in Austin named Sean Burns. Um, he's originally from Boston, but he's like really sick you know does a lot of you know stuff off roofs roof gaps and and um he's always cool with us in austin and he enjoys watching blading videos uh for spots and like we trade spots a lot but he all he said he was he told me one time he's like he feels like he rides more like a inline skater than a bmxer like at the way spots um which was pretty rad and unfortunately he just actually broke his back skate uh riding falling off a roof uh, oh, fell shit, into a, he fell into a rock and like was partially paralyzed and now he's oh, walking again with a cane but anyway that guy's really awesome so um so bmx you know like they like to lead the blind <laughs> i mean like how how can you i mean like the, the tricks in here i mean they're all of them impossible like the, the, there's no no doubt like i mean happy i, I wouldn't believe like what was your feeling when you were like filming? I don't know one of those tricks from Happy or like Pat Lennon tricks or Brian Shima's tricks or well, or Bronson? So, so for as far as filming for, for for video, like I filmed the entire Shima section, and I filmed part of the um, Happy section, probably about half the Happy section, and then Brandon Gretti filmed about half the Happy section. Um, Broscow. I only filmed a handful of Broscow clips. Most of those were from Adam Johnson, you know, okay. like Broscow's filmer. Um, and Pat Lennon clips were, most of those were filmed in Northern California. So 
Um, I filmed, you know, a fair amount of video. Most most of the stuff with the montages, I filmed all that. Um, but yeah, you know, as far as 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 the person I filmed the most was Shima and Haffy, I'd say, and then there, you know, all the other guys who were in the video. Um, True. But you know, all the tricks that you know Haffy and Shima did. Yeah, Boss, we do have like two minutes left, and I, I would like to to ask you something about big uh, big wheel blading, which is like your 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 project right now, right? Uh huh. And like, could you tell us like uh, something about it, like in those one minute and thirty seconds? Yeah, I started blading to uh, kind of to kind of unify all the disciplines of skating together because. The sport, none of these disciplines grow on their own, you know, and with the sport being so small, I figured they're, you know, they didn't like each other or care about each other for so long. I feel like right now was a time to kind of do the crossover between them, um, especially with, you know, tri skates, the big wheels, like a lot of aggressive skaters are starting to do urban skating. Um, a lot of urban skaters and slalom skaters are starting to try doing aggressive. You know, you, you finally have, you know, skaters who do aggressive urban slalom and marathon and just kind of doing it all and it's decides kind of exposing all the different disciplines of different skaters but it's, it's still heavily biased towards aggressive because that's my background so you know i feature a lot of aggressive skaters you know on aggressive skates like just because i want to promote that as well so it's not awesome. it's not really all big wheel blading but that's the catch-all for marketing of it um and it's really just you know my passion is for the whole sport. Um, and I've learned Wait, a lot. I don't know anything about slalom, you know, or. It's, 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 pretty, it's a pretty cool uh, project. I do really like it. And I do really think that, like, uniting the whole thing could be, like, a good way to, you know, leave uh, and, like, uh, make leave our, our sport and make it grow. Boss, we do have 10 seconds. Thank you so much, Jan. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. No, no, pleasure, to, pleasure for me. And, like, yeah. Thank you so much. And thanks, sir. Thanks for listening to Blading Chats.